Welcome back to Music Education Basics. Today is day two of our five-day video and audio series. First, if you haven't watched or listened to day one, go back and do that first. It's full of practical strategies and helpful information that precede today's topic, so it's important to hear them in sequence. If you'd prefer to watch the episodes instead of just listening to the audio here on the podcast, hop over to learn.ashleydanu.com and sign up for free. You'll find the downloadable workbooks there, plus a space where you can ask questions and connect with other music educators this week. If you're signed up, I'll also send you an email each day when a new episode is available. Let's get into day two. Today we're talking about what it means to develop language skills in music. Specifically, the importance of building a vocabulary of tonal and rhythm patterns, something that you'll hear me describe as the building blocks of music. Let's start by talking about tonal patterns. Tonal patterns are short two to five note groups or phrases. Here's an example of a tonal pattern. Bum, 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 bum. Think of them like words in language. Instead of reading and focusing on individual letters that make up the word singing, say, our eye recognizes the group of letters together. We understand the letters within the context of the word. The same is true in music. So instead of focusing on each individual note, we want to help our students learn to read groups of notes as meaningful patterns or phrases. The goal is to understand the notes within the context of the music. The same is true for rhythm patterns. Rhythm patterns are short two, three, or four beat note groups or phrases. Here's an example. Ba, 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 ba. These are building blocks in the music that we learn, and it's important to recognize them as patterns versus reading the individual note values, like quarter note, quarter note, a pair of eighth notes, and a quarter note. Think of it this way. An individual letter by itself can have a variety of meanings. The letter J can make a hard sound, like in the word jazz, but it can also make a Y sound, like in the word hallelujah. It can sound like an H in Spanish words, like jalapeno, The point is one letter by itself isn't enough. It doesn't give us enough information. J doesn't always make a J sound. We need more context. The same is true in music. Middle C can be the tonic or home note for the key of C major, but it can also be the root of the four chord in G major or the dominant in F major or the minor third in A minor. A quarter note can be one beat in 4-4 or 3-4 time, but if we're counting eighth notes like in 6-8 time, a quarter note is worth two, and it's equal to only half a beat if we're in 2-2 time. It all comes down to this. We need to teach musical understanding in context. So how do we help our students learn this and build a musical vocabulary? We can start by immersing them in musical experience, like the way that we learn language. Remember, listening and responding comes before reading. Researchers indicate that it's important to hear and sing musical patterns before actually seeing them. 
Think about a musical concept like legato. What does it sound like? What does it feel like to sing or play legato? What does it look like? In the art of music teaching and learning, we talk about the Swiss pedagogue Pestalozzi, who championed the philosophy of sound before sight. This means experiencing the musical concept, hearing it, before you see it on the page, and before you learn what the symbol looks like. Think about ways you can prepare new concepts like dynamics or melodic patterns, dotted rhythms or more complex rhythm patterns that might come from a new piece that you plan to introduce to your students. All of these things can be prepared through warm-ups and other ear training exercises that you do at the beginning of your lessons or rehearsals. Let your students experience these things before you really dig into them in the context of a piece of music. This way, by the time you introduce the notation for a given pattern, it will already be somewhat familiar to them because they've heard it and they've experienced it. Here are a few activities you can try. First, make sure to establish tonality and or meter. This is an important first step, as this is how you establish and create context for the music that you're sharing. To establish tonality, play the tonic chord of whatever key you're in, and then the starting note. You can also, if you're more advanced with your keyboard skills, you can play the tonic chord, the dominant chord, and then back to the tonic. Count a measure in a steady tempo before you begin, something like one, two, here we go. Do a quick, simple call and response with a tonal or a rhythm pattern, and then have your students sing or play back your pattern. Challenge them to match your articulation style and your dynamic level as well. Gesture to yourself when they are to listen, and then gesture out to invite them to respond. Next, try singing or chanting two patterns in a row and see if they can echo you. Once the patterns are familiar to them, try introducing the notation. We'll talk more about this on day four, but to give you an idea of how to connect this vocabulary learning stage to the music reading stage, choose four different but similar tonal or rhythm pattern cards. I'll link to a few resources for those in today's workbook chant or sing one of the patterns, and have them point out which one they heard. After doing this a few times, try chanting or singing two, three, or four patterns and have them put the cards in the right order. Think and plan ahead so that maybe the patterns you're choosing connect to a piece that you plan to introduce. Perhaps the four patterns you just chanted or sang are the same as the first phrase of a new song or anthem. A few practical reminders about these kinds of activities. When chanting rhythm patterns, speak with inflection instead of chanting like a robot where everything is really low in the voice. Encourage your students or choir members to have rises and falls in their voice and make it more dynamic and interesting. Use a neutral syllable like ba at first, and then once the rhythm patterns are more familiar, you can switch to a counting method or the text where applicable. Once your students can do it correctly and confidently, move on to a different pattern or phrase. 
If there's still a little bit of hesitation, just try doing that same pattern or phrase a few more times until it's more secure. When singing tonal patterns, use a neutral syllable like bum or do at first rather than starting right away with solfege or text. Once you're to the point of introducing the notation, have them point to the notes in their music as they sing, or if the music is on the whiteboard or a screen, have them draw the shape of the melody in the air as they listen and sing the phrase back. Once your students are beginning to understand tonal and rhythm patterns, and they can connect what they hear to the music notation, arrange a group of four familiar patterns in a new order and have them sight read the phrase. Have them chant the rhythm on a neutral syllable or using a counting method, sing the melody on a neutral syllable or using solfege, or play the melody on their instrument in a steady tempo. When sight reading, be sure to give them an opportunity to repeat the phrase, as this helps build confidence and solidify their reading skills. Again, we'll go into a lot more detail about music reading on day four. Your challenge today is to choose or create five warm-ups or quick activities that you can use in your teaching to help build a musical vocabulary and prepare or reinforce new musical concepts. Then, come up with five different activities that you can do with a set of tonal or rhythm pattern cards to help your students or choir members develop their musical language skills. You'll find a summary of today's lesson and a helpful worksheet ready to download below. As always, if you have any questions, leave a comment below and I'll be happy to answer them. Tomorrow we're talking about musical phrasing, dynamics and movement, and why it's important to incorporate these elements of musical expression into the teaching and learning process from the very beginning. See you right back here tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening today. For written notes, related links, and more information on today's topic, visit ashleydanew.com fieldnotes. You can find me on Instagram at ashleydanew. This episode is part of a special series called Music Education Basics, a free five-day workshop for music educators. To access the corresponding videos and downloadable workbooks and sign up for email notifications each day, visit learn.ashleydanu.com. Again, thanks so much for tuning in today. See you next time.